sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back. Top of the hour here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia for the next hour, taking you up until 2 o'clock. we got live NBA action coming up in about a half hour from now. Also a ton of Major League Baseball action as well in uh, some afternoon baseball games. And so we're going to cover it all for you. Scott Bogman's going to join us. We'll go over some running backs in fantasy football. As yes, the fantasy football season is now just weeks away as we wait to see what happens with college. We know that pro is going to start on September the 10th, less than a month now from the 2020 yeah. NFL season. And Joe, I know we're excited for that. Not excited to see injuries where it looks like Miles Sanders is uh, is hurt for the Philadelphia Eagles. And so we're going to have to do our best to get reports there. And then Devontae Adams left the field today for the Green Bay Packers. And so not time to overreact, but certainly if you are drafting any time before the 10th of September, you better be paying close attention to what's going on. Yeah, AJ Green had a bit of a hamstring thing earlier in the week, too. So, yes, these are normal training camp things, some of them. And other injuries can be ones that you really want to react to in terms of your fantasy dollar, and especially guys in the first round. If you're spending money on the first round guy, that better be your anchor. That better be the player you know is healthy, at least going into the season, because drafting a player who's hurt with your number one overall pick can really set you back quite a bit. And uh, you're going to want to stick around later because speaking of college football, uh, Scott Bogman does all of the college football prospects and things like that for the black book. He also does the IDP stuff. He also hosts that college football show with John Lobb, who if you find uh, a listener of Craig's for a long time, he's a great college football mind. They do that show together. So he's going to have a lot of great stuff for dynasty about some of these rookie running backs to get into. So that's going to be a great segment. Check around for that. All right, let's go over some of the top stories in fantasy from Wednesday going into, I would say, later today. Ken Tabaeta is the story in baseball after almost throwing a no-hitter last night. Rocco Baldelli, as we heard earlier in the show, you could go back and watch on demand on sportsgrid.com, said it was one of the best pitching performances he's ever seen on a big league mound. High praise there. Padres win again. Fernando Tatis stole third base on the pitcher that threw at Manny Machado, so that was an interesting development yesterday. It feels like we've moved on from the Tatis story today, which is also good. Nick Markakis apparently... Had some sort of interaction with someone who had COVID-19. Marcakis has not tested positive for it, but they have put him on the injured list just to be on the safe side. And so Christian Pache made his major league debut and is going to be part of the Braves now for at least a week or two. Uh, Damian Lillard and the Blazers, they downed the Lakers in game one. A very good back and forth game in this one. LeBron basically did everything he possibly could to uh, will that team to the win. It was not enough. And so we'll see if the Blazers are just a team of destiny being hot or will their hot streak run out. And then the Orlando Magic upset the Milwaukee Bucks, who were a huge favorite, to go up 1-0 in that series. They'll play the next game in that series tomorrow. And so that's where we will start off here on the show. And, and Joe, what we're starting to see in baseball a little bit is, is some normalcy, meaning that, yeah, you have the Red Sox, who are a big disappointment. You have the Pirates that are... You know, basically done falling apart. The Dodgers are who we thought they are. But some teams are coming back to the pack a little bit, and some teams that we mm -hmm. thought would be a little bit better are playing better. And one team, Joe, that seems to be catching fire here a little bit is the Arizona Diamondbacks, as they've won six games in a row. And clearly, 
not likely that they would end up catching the Dodgers, but they're right there now where the Padres are. And, and Joe, they have had a really good run here of not just good starting pitching, but their hitters have started to come alive. Calhoun has been really good. We saw Escobar have a good game the other day as well. And if they can get a couple of their other hitters going, the Diamondbacks should go into the season as a team that I know FanDuel had their win total at 30. So to see them four games under 500 last week was shocking to me. Now I think that we're finding out a little bit more of who they are, and I would not sleep on this team moving forward. No, uh, neither would I, that's for sure. And I think you can also kind of check off the Zach Gallon's last two starts as a big reason for this turnaround in the last six games. It's It's been a big part about that. Somebody had to step up here in the void and become an ace because God knows that Bumgarner and Ray had not been doing that previously. And you mentioned them kind of checking up on the Padres and kind of inching closer as Chris Paddock's starts have started to go south. I'm starting to wonder, is there an injuries or something else in play here? Is this a guy who you know is having trouble locating because of the, just the two pitches he throws? Like, what's happening here with him? As he's kind of started to go south and Zach Allen's gone north, so too have these two teams and something to keep a close eye on. But I, I'm happy because the Diamondbacks are a team that I think is very exciting, and it's good to see them kind of get back into this race. And all of a sudden, the National League West looks really like the division to be watching, not so much the National League East. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, the Diamondbacks were a, a sexy pick for a lot of people to win the NL at, at long odds and maybe to take a shot on. And as we welcome in our radio audience listening on SportsGrid.com, after the game last night and after the sixth win in a row, their skipper, Tori Lovello, uh, kind of said he knew that the team was better than they had played and uh, just basically wants to keep it going at this point. Um, well, I know we've won six games in a row, and that's the product of, of execution on a lot of different levels in a, in a very crisp way. Um, I look, I'm never going to be satisfied and tell you that we're playing our best baseball, uh, but I was very satisfied by what I saw today, and I feel like this, this group can string things together. You know, going back to last year, I know we got hot at different times, and uh, it was a little bit of a grind until the final couple weeks of the season um, when we started to separate and get over that 500 mark, uh, and that's never our satisfying uh, position. We don't want to be 500. We want to win as many games as possible, and we're in a good spot right now. Um, and I know I've been telling you guys, I feel like when we play our best baseball, we're going to be pretty special, and that's what it looks like. Yeah, it does, Joe. I, again, they, they don't have the talent that the Dodgers have, and, and I don't think that anybody was trying to say that they don't. But if they can string together some good pitching performances, they've been relatively healthy. I think they'll make the field of 16 in the end. Yeah, and you mentioned Calhoun at the top of this order now, too. That seems to be working with the two Martes uh, right there with him. Uh, that's what you want. You want to see a little bit more productivity from the bottom half of this lineup. So if Escobar can get going, that would be a huge win as well. But I would not count out the Diamondbacks just yet. I know a lot of people were, but I am not. Coming up next, a preview of more of today's afternoon games. We'll also hear from Marlins skipper Don Mattingly next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Plenty of afternoon baseball to go over. Cardinals and Cubs will start 2.30 Eastern, and that is 11.30 Pacific. So make sure you check that out. We're going to preview that game if you're interested in it coming up in a couple of minutes. Also, Reds 
and Kansas City Royals coming up today at 5.05 Eastern Time, 2.05 Pacific. Those previews coming up from a wagering perspective. Uh, the Miami Marlins, who got off to such a great start, even missing 18 of their players, have started to, I would say, regress back to the norm. And that is not abnormal, except for unless you're a fan of the Baltimore Orioles, who just keep rolling and rolling. But uh, Miami, after starting the season so well, 6-1, and 7-1, and one, are now just a game over 500 after losing four straight games. All of the arms that they signed to replace the players that they are missing have all either gotten hurt or have been ineffective. And at this point, uh, as Don Mattingly talked about last night, uh, it has more uh, questions than answers at this point. We're in a spot that, you know, we're going to trust the guys that we have here. This is where we're at. Uh, we're going to stay day to day with all of that type of stuff, Craig, where you're, you're not going to look and wish and hope and, and win. And if this, you know, all the, the circumstances around it, uh, right now, the reality is we're right where we're at. Right. And the guys in our bullpen are the guys in our bullpen. Um, and we, we did talk about not walking people and being on the attack. Um, in the games that we've been good with that, we've had pretty good games. So, again, we don't want to get free passes. We probably can't afford that. But also we're not going to sit back and look at what if and who could it be. Um, I'm sure we're looking at everything. Guys are getting ready, you know, in, in all areas of our club, right? So it's not just bullpen. It's, it's every area of our club. You're looking at different situations. Um, that will be in probably with, you know, in some, at some time frame. And we just got to hang in there. We've talked about this from the beginning. You lose 18 guys off your roster. Uh, we did a nice job on the road trip. We've struggled uh, here to, to get anything going. We really pitched pretty well against Atlanta until the last game. Then we walked some guys and let that get away. We probably should have won the first two games of that series if we put any runs up at all. So we just got to hang in there. And, and that's, that's the thing, you know, we want to be patient to a point, right? And, but we have high expectations of what, what can happen on a nightly basis. But we just have to hang in there. And uh, that's the one thing. We're not going to go away. We're not going to quit trying to win games. And we're not going to look at what, what we don't have. So, you know, we're not going away. And I'm not going to try to manage differently to, in, in, with hopes, right? We're going to do best we can with the guys we got. Uh, and we're going to get it where we want to go. Thank you. All right, Joe. So uh, there you have it, Don Mattingly. Uh, pretty emphatic there last night. Um, miss, missing 18 guys from their team, Joe. Uh, Corey Dickerson was on the bereavement list. He came back. I don't, I don't know if that's affecting him either. That's something I'm going to have to ask because uh, you don't want to look at Corey Dickerson's numbers this year, Joe. It's just uh, they're, they're not they're not pretty at all. And so... I mean, what can a team do, Joe? Like, you're missing 18 guys, and they went on that nice run of, of winning games, but they're almost fantasy irrelevant from a pitching perspective outside of Pablo Lopez. They'll get Sandy Alcantara back next week, maybe Miguel Rojas, uh, as some of their, their starters uh, from a fantasy perspective will start to return. But the new thing in Major League Baseball, Joe, is that you can't travel separately from your team. You have to be with the team when you're going on the road. So if there is a player that is healthy and ready to go and he stays behind, he's probably missing the entire road trip if a team goes on the road trip. And that's going to apply to about 15 of these Marlins again as they go back on the road on Thursday. So 
I don't know. They're just they're they're simply up against it. And and Joe, I I would put the Cardinals in a very similar position too when you're mm. missing the kind of talent that they are as well. And Joe, what happens if this happens in football this year, where you're missing six, seven, ten guys yeah. going into a game? I, I just I'm right. sort of well, hoping the difference in, <laughs> yeah, well, the difference in football is that you have the one game. So potentially if it's two weeks where you get affected, that's two games. And yes, that's a big chunk of the season. There's no doubt about that. But you can see how many games in baseball when you play every day, it could really affect a team just mentally. You know, it's one thing you have like you lose a game and maybe you get lucky another game, but it's another thing when you're losing every single day. And unfortunately, from all the logistics you're pointing out there, by the time you get Alcantara back, by the time Rolas is back. It might get worse before it gets better, but I think it will get better eventually for the Marlins because they are missing some of the better pieces. And Lopez is on the mound tonight, and Lopez is a good pitcher, especially in that ballpark. If you go look at the stats there, the problem is he is running up against a very left-handed heavy Mets lineup here with guys like Nimmo and Cano and some other guys who are swinging the bat pretty well, Conforto also, and I think that is why I I do like DeGrom tonight in this game. You know, it's not earth-shattering news. Lopez is is capable of going out there and matching him, but you also mentioned that bullpen and free passes that, that Don Mattingly's talking about here. And that's, it's such baseball one-on-one. And yet at the same time, it's the same things that certain teams and certain pitching staffs continue to struggle with. Be aggressive, go out there, get ahead in the count, work quick, throw strikes. These are simple things we think, but they don't seem to be practices that a lot of organizations are able to implement and execute. And I think that's where the downfall is. But the good news is just generally speaking that I do believe the Marlins with the leadership they have, with Mattingly, with Jeter, with everything that's going on in this organization, it does feel like things are starting to turn around. And I think everybody recognizes that they were playing at such a deficit this year with everything going on with the COVID for them on top of where they were roster-wise compared to the rest of this division, that just them playing baseball right now is incredible. Let's just give them credit that they're going out there and playing game tonight. And then I think over the next two weeks, I think the Marlins will get better, but I do think it's going to be probably more bad in the next week or so. Yeah, it could be. Okay, uh, 220 Eastern, let's look at the Cardinals and Cubs. Uh, This is Jack Flaherty's first start in, what, a month? I think so. Uh, He's starting today. He's a slight favorite, and and normally Flaherty's a huge favorite against everyone. And look, Mills has been really good for the Cubs. Look at this total, by the way, six and a half on FanDuel. Uh, I would have to take the over here, Joe. Um, Look, I'm not saying that Flaherty isn't a good pitcher, what in the world could you expect? This guy hasn't been on a mound in a month. He's been throwing baseballs in his sock at a wall. I, I just, <laughs> I, I love Flaherty. Don't get me wrong here, but I, I, I think this total is wrong, man. I, I, I would, I would go on the over here for sure. No question about uh, it. I, okay, I, I'm, I don't have nearly as strong of a feeling about this one because I have such respect for Jack Flaherty that I'm not going to put a pass if he could come out there and be really good today. You're going to throw eight innings in the same time. After not throwing for a month? I don't know, man. I don't think he's going to throw eight innings in this game. If he threw six, I'd be dancing the dance of joy for sure. He could. And that is in question, too. Um, that's in question. Can he get to six here right now with everything going on? But Jack Flaherty was so darn good last year, the second half of last year. He is one of these elite-tier talent pitchers. Uh, I understand the Cubs are a good team. I understand Mills has actually pitched very well also for the Cubs mostly. And and look, don't look now. But last night, you know, kind of lost to the shuffle was another good start from you, Darvish. Can we just talk about that ERA that's under two right now for you, Darvish? And he is just leading this rotation. But uh, this is a stay away for me because I don't know what to expect here after this layoff, after everything going on. I, I think what you're saying makes perfect sense. But I'm just a little more fearful than you are of, of Jack Flaherty's greatness. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I think Flaherty's arguably, if not the best pitcher in the National League, he's one of them. But 
after a player doesn't pitch for a month, oh, I find right. it very hard to believe that a guy can throw eight innings in a game, let alone seven, maybe not six. And if it's five, at that point, if you told me Flaherty is only throwing five innings, no matter what the outcome is tonight, I am taking the over in the game. I mean, that's it's not even a question with that's that fair. with the and bullpen that, is, that I've seen. Fair. But I don't I don't know the answer to that, and so uh, maybe we'll get more clarity on that at two uh, two o'clock Eastern when uh, Mike Schilt talks about how long potentially he could go. Uh, real quick here, let's close it out. Uh, Reds and Royals. That's the next game on the board here. Five o five Eastern, two o five Pacific. Total six and a half. Reds are big favorites. Joe, they have Castillo. KC has Keller. Uh, look, the Royals have have now started to fall apart here a little bit after a good start. So uh, pass for me today on this one. Castillo's been, yeah, he's been okay. Not good enough for delay 142, though. I'm not going to do that. No, not good enough to delay 142, but he has pitched better. We talked about actually his FIP versus the ZRA, and he was a guy that's actually pitched better than the ERA. So I would think he's still potentially, this is like your last chance maybe to buy low on him because he is a good pitcher. Even last year, too, there were some moments there where he had some tough stretches, but overall, Castillo's the much better arm here, but laying 142, like you said, uh, against a Royals team that every now and then can show up, too, offensively, too. So, Lair, Whit Merrifield, Hunter Dozier, those guys are no joke. So, I'm uh, with you as a pass for me also. All right, there are two rookie running backs that I think a lot of people are overlooking in fantasy this year. The first is Cam Akers from FSU on the Rams. The other is Jonathan Taylor. How much of an impact will they have after the update? Scott Bogman and Joe will be up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And our next guest is a good friend of mine, and that's because he is one of the uh, co-authors of the Fantasy Black Book. He's also the co-host of the Fantasy Black Book podcast, and he's also the other half, maybe even the better half, of the In This League show right here on Sports Grid. He's the one, the only, Scott Bogman. Bogman, welcome to the program, my friend. How you doing? Oh, man, what an intro. And I'm definitely the better half of yes. in this league. Everyone right. knows that. But I, I just figured I'd reiterate it for the Welsh. Well, I think it's Welsh. important that you do. I think it's important <laughs> that everybody out there knows that. And uh, Scott obviously uh, covers all of the rookies because he is a big college football guy. You can tell from the Texas thing right behind him there that this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to college football. He does all the rookie profiles. He also hosts the college football show with John Lobb, who you know from the program here as well. And he's also our IDP guru. So we're going to get into some of that too. talk a little defensive player, talk a little rookies. And let's start with Cam Akers because everyone else is talking about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yes, yes, it's going to be good. Yes, yes, let's not overpay for it. I think we've beaten that horse to death. Yeah. Now let's talk about Cam Akers a little bit because this is a guy who really does have an opportunity to basically win this job outright. And unlike some of the other rookies, Bogman, he doesn't have nearly the same kind of competition out there. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I don't know that the Rams offense is going to be as good as the Chiefs offense, but let's not forget two years ago, Todd Gurley and Jared Goff and company was, they were making, remember that Monday night football game between the chiefs and the Rams, how mm -hmm. insane it was. I can't even, I think the chiefs won, but I can't even remember. There were so many points scored in that. So uh, I think we could get a nice return to that for LA, or at least uh, have them be re much better than they were last season. And I think cam Akers is going to be a big part of that. I don't know how much Daryl Henderson fits into the, you know, one cut type of a system here that they have in LA. I think acres is a great fit. And let's not forget this guy was a 
five-star number one overall running back coming out of high school. He went to Florida state where they've had some coach turnover. They've had some offensive line issues. So I think if he was just in a better offense, he would have been a much higher uh, high, much more highly touted prospect coming into the NFL draft. And I think he's just so, uh, and I like Daryl Henderson, but I think he's so much better than Daryl Henderson that he's easily going to win this job. It should not take him long to lead this team in carries. If not week one, is so a he's take? a great option. Is it a hot take to say that in terms of return on investment, like especially in an auction redraft this year, that acres might be a better investment than a layer because a layer you have to pay quite a bit. And if it doesn't pan out or doesn't pan out as quickly as some other people hope, there's a little bit of a downside there with acres. It seems like a far less of an investment and I don't say equal the amount of upside, but pretty substantial from the way you're talking about it. Yeah. I, yeah, I would a hundred percent agree with that. I'm not a, a Clyde Edwards, a layer guy for this season, just because I want to see him prove it, you know, because you have to pay, you have to pay for him or draft him around all proven backs, you know, all guys that have done it in the NFL for at least half a year, you know, so you're going to be paying, paying 45 to whatever, 60 bucks for Clyde Edwards, a when you could pay probably somewhere between 15 and 20 for yeah, Cam Akers, 15, right? Yeah. I, I would much rather have Cam Akers at that price point than uh, t- put all my risk in Clyde Edwards, Alaire, either with draft capital or buying him at auction. All right. So, now speaking of Alaire too, there's another guy's getting a lot of helium now all of a sudden too. And it's Dobbins and, and JK Dobbins, good college career. No doubt about that. Certainly great, on a college, team that, career. great college career wants to, you know, run the football here. We know what Baltimore is all about. But that pesky Mark Ingram is still in the way. And I don't know how long it's going to take people to realize that he may be never going away. But is this the year where he does? Is this the year where you start to see that transition? Or are we in for another year of frustration? Because we've tried to unseat him before, not us per se, but the fantasy community at large. Do you think suspension, I think, is what did it to a lot of people, right? I think that's fair. Suspension. And I think that's when he started going downhill. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, no. But do you think that Dobbins is going to start to sort of climb up boards now? And do you think that that makes him more of a risk? Or actually, is there something to this where Dobbins could potentially now, you know, maybe raise that stock a little bit with a really good training camp and a lot of good buzz? And maybe it'd be a guy, maybe not out of the gate. But in the second half of leagues, really be a guy maybe you draft and stash that can have a big impact on your team. Um, I, I'm not. I, the draft and stash is fine, but you're not gonna you're not gonna pay what he costs right now to stash. That's so fair. Uh, I, I, for me, I'm not gonna have many shares of J.K. Dobbins at all. Uh, I think I'm gonna have a lot of Mark Ingram because I think <laughs> as Dobbins rises, Ingram's gonna fall. We talked about this on the on the Black Book show just the other day, mm-hmm. where he had you know fewer than, I think it was fewer than 250 touches and 15 scores. So uh, I don't see why that's going to change a lot. He's a team leader too. They want to keep him on the field. Lamar loves him. So I think Dobbins, I think his big impact is either next year or the year after that. I don't think it's going to be this year unless there's an injury to Mark Ingram. So I'm a Mark Ingram guy for this season for sure. Yeah. See, I'm with you. I know sometimes it's boring kids, but you know, geez, I want to win. And I feel like Ingram also... I also feel like when you watched last year, you saw Ingram in the huddle on the sidelines with Lamar Jackson. And that seemed to be a very crucial relationship. And in the locker room too. And in the the locker room too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seemed like that relationship is very important. And that's like one of the intangibles that you might say, well, maybe Dobbins is younger and, and maybe he has more upside and all this, but you know what? When you get on the field, the football is a lot more than just your fantasy team. They care a lot more about what's going to go on and can they trust the guy back there to protect Lamar Jackson. 
It's all about my fantasy team. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> all right. Let's see if uh, DeAndre Swift is all about your fantasy team, too, because for all of the guys getting helium now, this is a guy that seems to. I don't know. I'm kind of hearing crickets about him. Why is this with all those numbers, with all that stats? Why is it that Swift seems to be kind of just kind of floating around there? The value hasn't risen. It hasn't fallen. We're just kind of staying flat. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's uh, for two reasons. Number one, historically, Detroit and running back have not gone well together since Barry Sanders. So I think that's uh, the biggest chunk of it. I think the other thing is carry on was a high pick just two seasons ago. And, you know, I, I would say that he hasn't gotten maybe I think in people's minds, he probably hasn't gotten enough run to completely put him away and say, all right, well, carry on done. Let's go to Swift. Whereas I think maybe we can say that carry on is already in a knee brace uh, during camp and stuff, but there hasn't been great words about, uh, you know, Deandre Swift either bevel, uh, I think came out and said, yeah, we're still kind of figuring out his role. And then they signed, uh, you know, one of the 300 Jonathan Williams uh, today. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I mean, it's, you're not hearing anything positive out of camp or from writers really about Swift. So I think, you know, when you see one highlight from Dobbins, when you see one highlight from Henry Ruggs and guys like that, they start to get the helium or a comment, anything. Right. And we just really haven't heard much about Swift no. at all outside of, we don't know how he fits in the offense. So uh, I think that's what it is, but I think he's going to have sneaky good value come draft day. So uh, I, he's yeah. on my radar for sure. Yeah. Uh, look now a guy that is getting all the love too is Jonathan Taylor. And that was despite Frank Wright coming out and saying, well, Marlon Mack is still the, you know, the, the go-to back here and all this stuff. So clearly nobody believes the coach <laughs> and that's fair. I mean, I know we get a lot of the coach speak, but you can see Jonathan Taylor has gone way up now in that RB two class. And there's some people that really like him a lot. Now, look, I, I, I can understand the talent, but I, I just can't get around the fact that Marlon Mack is still there. And for this year, at least I struggle with where he's ADP is rising. Are you struggling with that as well? Or do you think that this is a guy who's going to overtake Mack and just blow him out of the water? No, I mean, I, I'm a little wary on that because I, so I wasn't big on Mac coming in. And okay. uh, so I've been burned by Mac. I haven't taken him. See, I like, was hey, big on Mac. I actually kind of liked him coming in. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like him. So he burned me a little bit. So I have, I feel like I need to give him a little more respect than I have, but Jonathan Taylor's so good. He's so much better than Mac too. It's, it's not going to be close, but I, I do think that for the first month, Reich is probably going to have to try to hold a little bit true to what he's saying now and get them mixed in there. But I think after that month is up, it's Jonathan Taylor time. And uh, that's what we're seeing for the rest of the year. All right. So real quick question for you. Would you rather draft Jonathan Taylor or trade for Jonathan Taylor? I'd rather trade for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I I think I'm with you right now where that ADP is going. All right. So Bogman also does the IDP. And for those of you who don't know, individual defensive player IDP leagues are great. They're so much fun. I got an IDP draft coming up in two weeks. We're in one that's going on for 12 months right now. It's amazing. (laughs) But Bogman, who are some names in IDP right now, besides the top of the board that you think are some really good values? Dare I say the word sleeper out there that you think people would really like to, or should be targeting in those IDP leagues and when should they be targeting them? Yeah, you know, it, it really, uh, we've talked about this before a little bit, but it really depends on 
how your IDP scores. So just in kind of a standard where tackles are worth the most, you're going to want a bunch of linebackers. I think Todd Davis from Denver is a little bit underrated. AJ Johnson next to him underrated as well. Uh, I think Kareem Jackson, uh, the safety out of Denver is a little bit underrated, especially if that offense gets better. Max Crosby from the Raiders is a nice uh, value. I think Rashawn Evans, the linebacker from Tennessee is a good option. And uh, you know, some rookies in there too. Isaiah Simmons for the Cardinals at linebacker, Malik yeah. Harrison and Patrick Queen at Baltimore should both be starting too. Those are yeah, some good options. The Queen pick in Baltimore I thought was spectacular. Like that was a ve- I know fits. you're a Steelers fan and I know how frustrating that was for you. I can yeah. I can sense the rage when he was selected, you're like, oh, that's a really good pick. And I like that for IDP and fantasy, but I hate that in reality. I yeah, just, he's I good. <laughs> he's going to rack up a bunch of tackles too. But Malik Harrison is like buried and he might be starting right next to Patrick Queen at both of them being rookies. So I, I think they're both coming at pretty good values right now. Now, I understand like scoring aside, what, what is it in IDP you can really count on the most? Is it tackles? Like, is that what you're going for? Or are you saying, well, there's more guys who get tackles. Let me go for sack specialists or somebody like that. Yeah, no, it, it's tackles. You want for most leagues. There are some leagues where they will, uh, they want to make a TJ Watt, you know, worth a bunch. They want to make Von Miller worth a bunch. So they make sacks and splash plays worth way more. So always pay attention to your scoring. But in most IDP leagues, you're racking up tackles. So you want those middle linebackers who are going to be, you know, getting every tackle they possibly can. The guys that get 10 to 12 a game. So, yeah. Yeah, there you have it. All right, go check out Bogman's IDP section in the Black Book. If you play IDP, it's spectacular. I'm telling you, 150, basically, we go deep there. Uh, so we're, we're serious about the IDP at the Black Book. Go check that out on Amazon. All Bogman's great work, especially on the rookies as well. And uh, go check him out on Twitter, at Bogman Sports. And listen to him and myself and the Welsh uh, talk on the Black Book podcast as well. We just did the running back show this week. So great one hour preview, breaking down the tiers and our love for Leonard Fournette at the value. So Boggs, (laughs) thanks as always, brother. Thank you you soon. We're getting a break. Craig Mitchell will be back with us right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here with you on Sports Grid until 2 o'clock on the East. And Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow with the latest in fantasy football, baseball, basketball as well. And maybe even some NHL. And, and Joe, I haven't really dove in all that much to some of the NHL games. And so uh, with everything going on, it's just like that's like last on my list, unfortunately. I, I guess we've neglected hockey too much here on the show. I actually caught some last weekend, but it's uh, it's tough right now because the convergence of NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, and NFL training camp is just a lot. We went from zero to 100 basically over the last two weeks. And uh, for me, my focus right now is helping all my Black Book readers and everybody get ready and prep for football season, basically. And at the same time, we're doing DFS shows and we're doing this show. We're doing diamond bets. And (laughs) there's a lot of baseball to break down, too. So it is crazy. We're only two people. I mean, that's the whole thing, too. And I don't know how much we can contribute to the hockey conversation. I know I can't personally. I love hockey. You give me a hockey ticket. I am there anytime you say. But uh, and playoff hockey is uh, obviously as good as it gets. 
But uh, do you uh, do you know anyone who's really super excited right now about the hockey? Who's just loving life with the hockey playoffs? I think George Kurtz is the only one I know. <laughs> Definitely George's. Maybe we get George on. Tell us about what's going on for the weekend. Maybe get everybody set up. But George's, I know Chris Bavone at the network too, big Ranger fan. He was disappointed at the uh, early exit for the Rangers. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's uh, it's just a lot to focus on right now with the NBA playoffs and football starting. It's a ton. It is. We're going to try to cover it all for you, but we're not complaining because we had nothing for months. No. And in fact, one of the yeah. things we're going to talk about on fantasy and reality is one of the only things that we did have at the beginning when the pandemic started back in April. So uh, let's dive into it, fantasy or reality. Uh, By the way, one quick note here, uh, Nick Senzel placed on the injured list by the Cincinnati Reds with no designation, so certainly you know what the story is there. Unfortunately, probably not going to see him for a while. Uh, Okay, now let's touch on tonight's game as we begin with our fantasy or reality segment. We've got the Clippers tonight taking on the Dallas Mavericks. We know they threw Porzingis out in game one of this, and who knows if that would have affected the spread. It was relatively close, but the Clippers did cover. So let's dive into game two, fantasy or reality. Joe, the Clippers, who are minus six tonight over on the FanDuel Sportsbook, will win and cover tonight against the Mavericks and take a 2-0 lead. Is that fantasy or reality? Hmm. First of all, I want to say good job by Brett not getting in trouble here because I see he put uh, the number in which I know makes Craig very happy. So Brett's not going to get in trouble today. So that's a good thing. Uh, I'm going to say reality. They win and they cover against the maps. I think this is our, I think the Clippers right now uh, are looking like uh, they have a real shot here. They were one of the favorites going in to this when everybody went into the bubble. And I think after watching the Lakers kind of stumble out of the gate, I think the the Clippers should feel a little bit more, uh, I don't know, energized about it. So I'm going to say reality. Why not? Let's go. Let's go Clippers. The other team in Los Angeles. Craig, what do you think? Fantasy reality here. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll agree on this one. I'm going to say reality. Kawhi just looks unstoppable, and now that he's playing every day again, it's it, they're going to be very tough team to beat, and maybe even the favorite in the West, if not to win the whole entire thing. Um, I do think that they will win. I do think that they will cover tonight, and I think they will take a commanding 2-0 lead in the series unfortunately, for Luca and the Mavericks. All right, that is our first question here on Fantasy Reality. Let's get to the second one. The Texas Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, got a one-game suspension. His pitcher got three. They both appealed. Eventually, Woodward is probably going to have to sit out the game. I don't know. How do you appeal a one-game suspension? What does it become, a half a game? I don't know. But he's got a one-game suspension, and he's going to end up having to serve it. But that's not the question that we're asking, Joe, today. The question we're asking is, Texas Rangers manager Chris Woodward deserved a one-game suspension. Is that fantasy or reality? I don't like throwing at people after a guy doesn't do his job well. It's one, it's one, you know, here's the thing. I'm all about pitching inside. I'm all about, you know, this is my plate, stay off of it. But when you load the bases, then give up a home run and want to plunk the next guy, uh, if that's coming from the manager, then yes, then it's reality. He deserves a one game suspension. If it's coming from the pitcher, then yeah, he deserves some sort of suspension too. But here's the whole point. It's if you want to be effective, maybe you should start throwing inside and being intimidating before you load the bases, before you let the game out of control. Maybe that's the thing, you know, like the Don Drysdale and Bob Gibson days where people would basically say, don't get too comfortable, kid. This is my plate, not yours. I own this mound. I own this field. The problem is everybody wants to be a tough guy on the back end. Yeah, it's easy to throw at somebody. It's a lot harder to get somebody out 
try and get somebody out. So this one irritates me because I hate all the fake tough guy back end nonsense, run written rules, whatever the hell. I already talked about it yesterday, but I will say this. If he told him to throw at him after his pitcher basically went up there and just, you know, walk, got the bases loaded, and then gave up a home run to Tatis 3-0, then yeah, he should have a day off to think about it. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, well, we'll never know because these guys lie and say it just got away, and so we never really know the truth here. Uh, I would tell you this. I would have preferred the pitcher got suspended and the manager got fined here. Um, That's fair. I, Woodward, should get, Woodward should get suspended for his comments, how dumb they were about what he said about Tatis. But the actual action, we'll never really know if if he did tell the pitcher or some. You know what happens sometimes too is players will tell the pitcher, "Hey, this is what you need to do too." Uh, sometimes the managers are not even involved in this. But look, he is the guy that's overseeing the team, so I understand the sentiment. I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say Woodward, and you know, should have got fined for his uh, actions as as allowing his pitcher to do what he did. But the pitcher is the one that should take the most responsibility because regardless you don't have to do what you're being asked to do in that spot. You don't have to hit a guy. You can just basically say, no, it doesn't go well with the team, but you have the choice. He's the one that threw the pitch. I'll say fantasy. Something needed to happen to Chris Woodward, but uh, suspension. I don't know why he didn't, what did he do? Uh, look, fine, fine okay. It's not a bad idea either. I think you found a nice workaround. Uh, I agree. The stuff that came out of his mouth after the game was kind of silly as well. But again, it's if you don't like it and and I kind of like that everybody stood up here and not just the new players and not just the Trevor Bowers of the world that irritate a lot of people anyway, but like the Johnny Benches and the Reggie Jacksons and all the old guard guys standing up there. And I think Jack Flaherty had a tweet about it this morning, too, that I saw, which was, hey, if you don't like it, try not load the bases, son. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you don't like it, be better. Get out. I don't understand, especially in the day and age of baseball where runs are through the roof right now and offense is going crazy. Who's to say that any lead is safe with the bullpens, with the offense that we've seen in Major League Baseball? So, I'm man, you play nine innings. It's, it's one thing when you're stealing bases when you're up 15 runs. It's another thing when someone's throwing a pitch and it's 3-0 and you've got a chance to, uh, you know, to basically put the game completely away. You put the game completely away, especially with your best player. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, this is such a crazy story. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Speaking of crazy stories, this is the one that is the craziest. Uh, of course, the Tiger King is back oh, in no. the news. I thought Tiger King went away for good, but it is back again. And it just shows you how we are as a society. We want everything now. We want everything fast. And we want to just yell and scream about everything and then forget about it the next day. Because there's been almost no discussion about Tiger King, which was the only thing that was a discussion everywhere for about a month. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, Jeff Lowe, the owner, the new owner of Tiger King, if you haven't seen it, you're going to have to go on Netflix and watch or else you have no idea what we're talking about here on the show. And I understand that because... Honestly, it was a big mind-bending dump of time to watch. It on was this. amazing. Uh, it was it was it was good when it was there. I I did. It, it was good for us when we had nothing. Yes, that's true. Um, they, he's lost the zoo. He's lost the Tiger King Zoo. We wonder if this is for good or if it's not. This is, should not come as a surprise, given watching the show anyway. Uh, so here it is. Uh, Joe Exotic, of course, is in jail. There was some rumor that he was going to get pardoned. I mean, come on. I mean, I, by the president? I, I, who, who even knows? It's such a wacky story. Fantasy or reality, Joe? We have seen the last of the Tiger King Zoo with this latest development. Is that fantasy or reality? 
Oh, the Tiger King Zoo. See, this is the thing. It's not the last of the Tiger King because it's a fantasy. I think you've seen the last of the Tiger King because anything that makes money in this country, people are going to find a way oh, to continue yeah. to make money. But you're talking about his own zoo. This is tricky because I don't know how he's going to get around all the legal stuff. I'm going to say it's a fantasy. It's a reality. We've seen the last of his zoo because I think it's going to be very tough for him to logistically do it all again. But it's a fantasy that we've seen the last of the Tiger King because anything that makes money in this country one time, we're going to run it into the ground until people are completely sick of it. So that's that's my feelings on that one. But I would imagine it's kind of tough for him to like, number one, he's got to get released. Number two, he's got to be able to get the animals again, all the legal constraints and all the past things. And and then, of course, Carol, let's not forget Carol Baskin. She's going to go try to file more motions and injunctions against him and all this stuff. So. I don't know. I think it's hard to imagine him getting a zoo. Maybe he should move on to an aquarium. Maybe she change a little bit. Maybe exotic <laughs> underwater creatures. Like Pull that one off, right? Yeah, I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say that this Carol Baskin, who's probably responsible for this, too, because she's responsible for everything. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess that she is smart enough to market this thing as and keep it as the Tiger King Zoo under Carol Baskin because, ah, look, I think okay. she's all about the money too. And someone is going to take this over legitimately and want to parlay the success of it coming off Joe Exotic and coming off Jeff Lowe's ownership. I think we have not seen the last of the Tiger King Zoo, and I think that it'll be like a, a museum of some kind. So I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say somebody else opens it, and then that person will probably lose it too. But either way, I, I think it keeps going, Joe. I can't wait for season two when her uh, supposed dead husband comes back from Costa Rica and everyone is shocked wow, he's still yeah. alive and he's all tan and, you know, he's 85 years old or whatever he would be now and all of that. Like, that's what I'm waiting for. Like, I can't wait for whatever the next chapter of this is, because if this is the first chapter, I can't imagine post these people being more famous that they're going to get less crazy over time. They're going to get more crazy over time without a doubt. It's going to be tough to live up to whatever the first one was, because the first thing was so bizarre anyway that you would sit there and you'd watch it. And when the hour was done, you would feel simultaneously better about your life and then feel worse about society at large and that these things are going on. I think that was always my struggle. I was entertained and I was laughing and at the same time dying inside. That was the Tiger King experience for me. I know you were on with Joe Ranieri at the same time. I know Joe's got a lot of jungle cats at his house. Uh, So I don't know if that was a difficult thing for the two of you, you know, was that a touchy subject, but just curious, like I never really, we never really talked about it. You and I, this was more when Joe Ranieri was on the the show every day, but we had nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did joe I mean, did we, joe let you uh go in and hold his tigers and things like that at his house he, he was a big fan of the show he was a huge fan of it yeah he was very big on it i mean i i honestly it was it was so uh difficult to do entertaining television and radio in in those months i i, I sort of don't even want to go back and talk about it like it was just <laughs> it was so difficult with no sports going on and and we finally had the last dance at one point, but we really right, went, good. we really went a solid two months without a single live sporting event happening. And you can only imagine what we were doing during those shows. It was uh, hey, I was, I mean, you, I was you there for a good time. We we didn't have sports yeah, in uh, April, May, and June. <laughs> I was there for April, May, and June too. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was, it was, it was I, I never. 
I've never done work like that before where it's basically like create a show out of nothing. Like just talk for two hours. It's a about, show about, about nothing. Sport. Yeah, well, those worked out well last time. Someone tried to do a show. I mean, I want to go back and do the win totals of the NFL for for the upcoming season. And then I remembered we did all of them like 10 times over. I guess nobody probably remembers that. Maybe we'll just do it again. I think we probably should get back to that next week, though. It's starting to feel like we should at least refresh it, especially with what's going on in the latest training camp news to probably think about that a little bit. I I don't think you're wrong for starting to do that again, at least in a quick hits, maybe. Yep. All right, we got the Sports Grid 60 next. Joe and I will be right back. So keep on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid, and uh, we're going to turn it over to Joe Pizzapia for the Sports Grid 60. Before we do that, just a reminder, Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast, coming up right here on Sports Grid later today. The latest in the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, of course, pro football as well, all against the spread coming up later today right here on Sports Grid and SportsGrid.com. Joe, what you got today for the Sports Grid 60? Happy Harvey Day. Once upon a time, those words meant quite a bit to me. It was probably back in more like 2014, but still, they meant something back then. And and yes, Matt Harvey, if you can believe it or not, is going to be pitching yet again in the major leagues tonight for the Kansas City Royals. So we'll see how that goes. But it just makes you think back and wonder what could have been over the pandemic when everyone was in quarantine they were showing some old starts, and they showed the the all-star game start for Matt Harvey. And at that point in time, the world seemed like his oyster, and he was going to be the next great pitcher for the New York Mets. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. We all bought in very, very hard. And let this be a lesson to us with young pitchers. Sometimes it's easy to fall in love, but the breakup can be very, very difficult. Hmm. It is tough, but it's good to see Matt Harvey make his way back to a mound. Not sure how it will go. If it go went anything like last year, it will not go well. Uh, okay, so who is the best quarterback coming out of high school in 2023, the top 100 class in two years? Uh, here's a little hint. He's the nephew of Peyton and Eli. That is correct. It is Arch Manning, the number one quarterback and number five overall player in the top 100 for 2023. I got to tell you, football is great, but having a Manning involved in football is even better. I am hopeful that this will continue and their nephew, Arch, A-R-C-H, ends up being a quarterback in college and, of course, in the NFL. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks again, of course, to Brett. Thanks again to Danny and, of course, Chris and Joe Ranieri for getting our show going as they always do. For my co-host, Pia, I am Craig Mish. I hope you stay on the grid. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll be right back here tomorrow at noon. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.